what happens inside that uncomfortable silence what happens um if it goes the wrong way and if they're so worried about uh something that they can't control or even the unknown they stress about the unknown that they never have a crucial conversation but as a parent right if i don't tell like jackson that you're doing the wrong thing how does he ever know what the right thing is yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. it's explaining it to him like and this is what i believe brings belonging in right like Jackson sometimes is literally losing his fucking mind. He's four years old, right? So he's losing his mind. They don't can't even control their brain properly sometimes. And I have to, I, I'll give him a little tap on the butt, but I, I'll have to bring in, I try not to yell at him. I'll give him a smack on the butt, like jolt him a little bit. I'm like, Jax, okay? This is not the right thing right now. Tell me what you were trying to achieve with this. Or Jax, that is not the right way we do that. And like, it's giving him that feedback and then asking him, like, what do you think is a better way to achieve the outcome that you were trying to get? Especially with Jax's four and Finn's 18 months or nearly coming into two. Like if he's doing the wrong thing and he can hurt the other, hurt Finn, like it's so, so crucial that he understands not to do that way again. And when we look at staff, we do like feedback Fridays every Friday in every single gym where it's like open up the talk in the management meeting. Everyone can give everyone feedback in a safe environment. There's no emotions attached, uh, attached to the feedback because I think that's when people go wrong. They give emotional feedback, not like data-driven feedback. It's like, I feel you're a dickhead. And they're like, well, fuck you. <laughs> but instead, it's like, it's like hey, hey, Luca, like when you're doing your session the other day, you left everything out. And because you left everything out, I had to work an extra 15, 20 minutes putting all your stuff away. And there was a break in between my sessions. So I feel like I couldn't give the level of performance inside my sessions because of it. But that's like, oh, cool. That's constructive criticism. So with this next time, can you make sure that you put that equipment away? Not because I want the gym to look nice. I do want that to look nice, but I want the flow of our sessions to be even better. And I think only feedback is given if your team has a focus of attaining mastery. Right? Like if you don't have a growth driven team, if you don't have people who want mastery level performance. And when we look at this again, like Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hour, right? Like every hour you want to try and achieve mastery. That's why we, you know, for us, we give as much education. You guys give so much education, right? So like to your, to your teams. But I think if you, you foster a community of growth, then they actually take feedback on board. Because they're like, okay, feedback isn't a negative thing. They understand, same as business owners, feedback or failure is also feedback. So you need to go through the negative to learn to grow outside your comfort zone to become the next evolution of yourself. So whether it be feedback on sales, whether it be feedback on session delivery, whether it be feedback on anything on a weekly basis, if you can have a safe environment, it's not walking past someone and say, hey man, like you fucked up that sale. Or, hey, Luca, put the fucking equipment away. Like screaming yeah. across the gym, like ripping people down. Because what happens is that builds insecurity, right? <laughs> because they're like, oh, this environment's shit to work. And I feel like I'm just getting ripped on all the time. But in the safe environment where your team's together and it's like, hey, like this is what we need to do to get mastery together. So everyone, give everyone a piece of positive feedback for the week. And everyone gives something, a bit of feedback that we can improve. And I, like, again, I know you're the big thing on Kaizen, right? So it's like doing those one percenters every single week, that actually bonds the team together. They feel confident giving feedback and having crucial conversations 
because it's not there's nothing negative in it it's actually there's positive outcomes because we can grow and once you grow once you give and receive feedback that brings that belonging together but also i think so many business owners they don't go into it as in a win-win scenario right so it's just like like they go when we're looking at the five levels of leadership like john maxwell you know they go into it in like a level one authoritarian based um sort of leadership it's like i pay your bills dickhead do the fucking job um, like they literally, that's how they lead. Like I pay you to do this job. You better do this job. So if you do it like that, they will only do the hours they're getting paid to do. And then what happens if someone poaches them from your team at like $1 per hour or more, they'll leave because they have no loyalty. There is no yep. belonging to your team whatsoever because it's transactional, right? It's transactional leadership because you're paying them a dollar to do a job. Whereas like, to go past that you have to move to a level two leadership and like when i when i read like john maxwell's thing it's a great book because it's super easy to understand but like i sort of put other books inside that book so it's like okay level one leader okay you need to read robin sharma's a leader with no title um, or you need to um read um what's the one um go giver right like you have to read read, read the go giver right like they have so like go giver on leadership as well right like Oh, yeah. Bro, so do it. It's good, eh? Yeah, so, I mean, that whole four-book series is fucking, it, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's so simple, but it's like if you really, truly grasp what it's talking about, right, you're, you're golden. And, dude, man, I, like, that book, like, The Go-Giver, like, I, I shared over and over, right, 12, yeah. 13 years ago? 13 yeah. days. I read it for the first time, I think, 12 years ago. Uh, like, literally, the year it came out, I, I got it. And that was, that was the year that I started charity boot camps. I mean, it was basically what inspired me to do that, but it was just that mentality is what I've tried to live since. And it's, it's changed my life. And it's so cliche, right? It's, it's so cliche, but it really, I mean, it, it really did just that thought, like that idea of that way of thinking uh, is so powerful. And, and, you know, like when you said it, man, like there's, there's a couple, like there's a number of things that you said and I was just like, Oh man, that's, that's a great point. And then just to, to kind of, piggyback on it you know you mentioned crucial conversations which is, is perfect first of all great book everybody should read it um number two like if anybody uh if anybody's read uh, ray dalio's principles which is a phenomenal book man get that this is what will blow your mind right get there's an app he's got an app i'm actually looking at it right now yeah it's called principles uh so the app is called principles and he gives away all this free first of all the book is free on app but he has recorded, so first of all, Ray Dalio is the guy that started Bridgewater. He's the greatest hedge fund of all our time, the only one that in a recession made money. He's top 50 most influential people on the planet, richest people, that whole shebang, right? The dude is, is, is a genius and a G. And he has, so they have a meritocracy inside of the business, which means that everybody can create, has feedback, right? Every, like, you know, the, the admin can come and go to Ray and like, hey, listen, Ray, like, here's what you said and you were late. This is fucking doing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. any anybody's bringing feedback what was so dope in the app is that like he has recorded team meetings and you see them going at it like in this whole psychological safety and it blows your mind you're like oh shit holy like you know it's because you read the book and you're and you're like yeah right you know what i mean like and then you see it and you're like fuck man this is nuts right and he's sharing his the emails that like people shared with him that are way lower in the company uh you know and they're just harsh like He's like, man, you did this presentation. You were just blabbering all over the place. Like you're wasting time. It's nuts, right? But I think it's powerful to see that because that the greatest leaders, 
you know, they're, they're very vulnerable. They're very like, Hey, like I, you know, I, 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 I fucked up. I made a mistake, you know, being a uh, people feeling comfortable and going, Hey man, like you said that you're going to do that and you didn't do it. Um, and here's what happened. Like, this is how it affected the whole team. Right. Cause then you're like, Oh shit, man, I don't want to do that again. Right. But as long as you come to the table and everybody knows that, you know, you're doing that to grow. And so once again, like you need people that understand that. Cause like once your people go like, I know that this person wants me to get better and be better because it'll be better for my life. So this criticism isn't a personal attack. It is actually them caring about me to do better. You know, and like that's a game changer. And, you, and, and that first part, psychological safety is, is what creates that, right? Because it allows people to open up and, and, and mess up and share their kind of like, hey, here's the facts, right? Here's what happened. Um, and so, and the second part of that is, is uh, avoiding, I think it's called avoiding status management. I mean, that's like the, the, the you know, the, the businessy word to say, avoid status management. But like, hey, have you, did you ever talk, uh, the uh, spaghetti and marshmallow test, the t- building the tower? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 so, yeah. I, so that's like, you know, building the tallest tower. Uh, and um, this was, man, I don't even know when it was first created, but pretty much what, the, what you do is you get uh, tape, uncooked spaghetti, uh, and a marshmallow. Yep. Right? And I can't remember how many, I think it's 12. We, were, we did it at the TFW Summit this past year. And, um, and it's like, basically you got 15 minutes and 12 or 15 minutes and you got to build the tallest tower out of these strings of spaghetti tape and mar- the marshmallow has to be on top, right? And uh, so here's what's crazy, right? The when this study started, you know, they were putting up kindergartners against uh, students who went to business school, uh, CEOs, entrepreneurs, um, just, you know, all types of very, I would say, business savvy people. And over and over and over again, the kindergartners crushed all the other people, like accountants, uh, like I said, bosses, CEOs, business school students, which you'd, you'd be like, man, that, that makes no sense in the world. Yeah. And, and then they started studying why. And, and dude, not only, listen to this shit though. The average tower was 14 inches tall, uh, not 14 centimeters tall, 14 centimeters yeah. tall. The, the, the kindergartner's average tower was like 21, I think. Like they just blasted them out of the room, right? And when they went back and realized what they did, it, why that happened was that the kids were like communicate very little, right? It was just like, hey, give me that, right? Oh, here's your tape. Ah, this won't work. Just, right? They, they were just going. They're, they're, they were focused on the outcome, which was building the biggest tower. Little communication, or should I say, it was just very clear and very direct, and nobody was taking it personally. With the other groups, what started happening is everybody had like the status, right? The CEO was like, well, shit, I'm the CEO if I run shit, right? And if somebody was like, hey, man, give me that tape. Let's do this. Automatically, they're like the ego. Well, no, let's do it my way, right? Well, so there was so much more bickering and like these pushes and pulls of power, right? Mm-hmm. That everything slowed down. And the thing that they were there to do, which is to build the biggest tower, didn't happen. Where the kids were just going back and forth. And really, they were just worried about how to succeed at the, at the mission. And so thinking about that, right, like are in your company, team, organization, whatever, is there this battle between status management, right? Um, it, or, or do people feel like let's work together to achieve this outcome? Because I don't know, like, for instance, I try to like th- this is what happens a lot, right? Oh, man, the bathroom's like uh, really like fucking nasty. And the cleaner's not coming in until tomorrow, right? 
And then you can have like the coach or even like me, right? Well, I don't do that, right? Because it's like, well, I, I don't do that. That's not my role. See, the thing is, do you think in roles or do you think in outcomes? If our outcome is have a clean place for our members, make sure that stuff is on point, then you do the thing because we're fo focused more about the outcome, okay. right? So, and, and this is how you create, you know, you get people to perform beyond the sum of its parts and the team is like 4X, um, you know, than, than if they, like than the actual individual, right? So you got to ask yourself, you know, what are the ways that you encourage unrestricted feedback from everybody on the team, you know what I mean? Um, use things like open forum, brainstorming meetings, uh, yeah, like brain think, you know, like get together and like this describe meetings in a different way. So they're not like, oh, fucking this is this meeting. Somebody's going to, you know, the boss is going to come and tell us what to do or talk and we're all going to leave and nobody's like, shit, right? Uh, yeah, and no red tape. Literally, I think that's like that next level of leadership, right? So if you go past crucial conversations into level three, um, like which is when like it's production, I think it's called level three in um, his five levels of leadership. That's when you have open forum feedback, but also you aren't um, saying, hey, this is how we grow the business. You go, hey, how should we grow the business? Or how can we get better customer experience? And like what, I, what we look at is some of our meetings, like for that, for example, it's like, okay, guys, over the next 30 days or next 90 days, our goal is to increase member retention from 90% to 95 or 95 to 96%, whatever it is, right? It's like everyone, what I want you to do is I'm going to give everyone three minutes to write down five ways they think that they can achieve a better customer experience. It might be you and four of your team members, right? And everyone has their own piece of paper and they write it down and it's like, okay, guys, we're going to put every single idea up on the board. And if you say an idea and someone else says that idea, then we'll just put a, like a plus one next to it. And all of a sudden you have like 20 ideas come up, a couple of them plus ones next to it. And if the plus ones, well, they could be good. And that like means we're common thinking. But what we do now as a team is like, okay, so if we can implement just three and you're allowed three votes, okay, on these ideas, what we do is we can go vote one, vote two, vote three. And the ones with the highest votes, that's what the ones will actually implement over the next 90 days. So the team members have ownership over what we're implementing to the business. And rather than being told, this is how you do it, Luca, they're going, this is what we wanna do. And say if someone has ownership over an idea, that means they'll actually work harder to implement that idea because they helped come up with it. And then what you do then is you're like, okay, cool. We've got these three ideas, guys. Now what I want you to do is I want you to work in pairs. I want you to come up with a procedure. If we can only, we have like five steps or six steps to rolling out this procedure, I want you guys to think there. I want you guys to think there. And you're going to make a flow of how we roll this out. I'm going to give you five minutes each. And it's like five steps. And then we come back together. They'll present their five steps. They'll present their five steps. And we'll make this amalgamation of the five steps to roll out this new customer experience idea. And then all of a sudden, as a team, as a collaboration is what wins games, right? Mm -hmm. Like So it's like we collaborated together to pick the top ways to increase member experience and they have ownership over it and they told us how they were gonna do it and this is the outcome we're trying to achieve as a team. So no matter what, this is what we do. When you were thinking, man, like you, you said the marshmallow test, and I never thought about this, like you were talking about the marshmallow and the spaghetti and stuff and, and that I've done that before. It was, it was pretty cool, that um, experiment. But then you made me think of like, you know the marshmallow test on delayed gratification? Where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah yeah, yes, and it's like, use one marshmallow. You go, you get one marshmallow now, 
um, or if you or if you wait an hour or something like that, you can have two, right? Yeah. And it's like you know, the, some kids like just ate the marshmallows straight away, and you're like, okay, cool. Your success factor in life is they followed these kids for like 40 years, and the ones with the delayed gratification had a high success level in life. It made me think, and I never actually thought of this before. You know Tony Shea with um, Zappos, right? Yeah, yeah. They do when they hire people. Well, they give them like a thousand dollars, and they allow two thousand dollars. It's like you can... it's, it's three grand to leave. Yeah, they give them three k to leave. Yeah, that's literally the marshmallow test. It's it's a, it's a fucking great thing. <laughs> I, I I could do I could do like three hundred bucks maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give like three hundred bucks, but but no, but I I do think you know. Because what was really amazing, uh, even more amazing than that, which I think is pretty, like when I read that, I was like, holy shit, that's nuts, right? Like, hey, listen, we'll give you three grand if you leave right now. Uh, you know, and a lot of people actually, uh, the majority don't take it. Yeah. But there's obviously people that take it. The second thing was that they're, um, the cust like, they have a lot of call center people that make, you know, in the 30, you know, 30,000s of dollars and get offers for like 10, 15 grand more and they won't leave because of the culture, right? Because they, they also love how much, uh, I would say, autonomy they get and how much contribution they get, which is, you know, and I think we're moving more and more so into a, a world of, uh, and I, I was reading a study on this too, like as far as, you know, that whether it's millennials, but just in general, that people will take like lower wages to be a part of a company that, that has more meaning, you know, that has more fulfillment and purpose for them. And, you know, I, let's, let's be real, like, I, you know, me or you in 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 a, in a sense can't offer i think now i mean you too like with, with you know you have 21 locations now uh you probably can you know the answer is better but you can kind of push a little bit more of you know kind of hiring talent and stuff and so for me you know like i i can definitely do more but the way i started was was like man like i can't pay somebody what other companies are paying them you know like we we just, we just got an intern right now like i sat down with him i said listen man like I can tell you right now, like I off the bat, you can probably go, not probably, you for sure can go another place and you'll make more like 10, 15 grand a year more. Right. But one thing I can guarantee you is if you bust your butt here, one, you'll have more of an impact on not only, you know, the clients, the community renting and the fitness industry, like down the line, whether that's three or four years from now, you'll be able to make more than you would anywhere else. And your growth will be exponential because of how much we invest into learning. And like I said, I, I legitimately don't know anybody that's more thinking that than we do. No, bro, that's what I said to you, man. Like for you, like growth and people don't leave companies where they feel like they're invested in and they're growing themselves because that is one of the human drivers, right? Like growth and for you and your team, like I don't know another, you know, business owner who grows their team more than you. And it's, you know, you know, what's crazy, man. Like I've gotten, I, like now I get fired up about this. Right. And it's not, I, I think it's a twofold thing. I think it's smart for business, but I, I, I truly don't, that's not my driver. Right. Like I look at like, how can, you know, and, and the thing is people are going to come and go, that's just life sometimes. Right. But I look at my coaches that have been with me and I'm like, how can I, you know, and that's what we're working on now. Get them to basically give them this platform to grow on this platform. How can I give them more opportunities? You know, how can I have them make a hundred grand a year, 80 grand a year, 70 grand a year, working less than 40 hours a week on the floor, which is, which yeah. I think part, you know, let's be real, right? Like the, the very few people make it that train even 40 hours a week of true training, like actual coaching people is a shit ton of coaching. 
you know, and I remember doing 60, 50, 60 plus, you know, which is you got to be a little bit of a nutcase or a lot of a nutcase to survive that, you know, which I did, but like, that's not a sustainable thing. And I wouldn't want that for my team. And so I I'm building this in a way where it's like, Hey, you know, max coaching hours is like 35. But then on top of that, you have, you know, on top of that, you have online coaching that we have built in. And now we're building a platform for coaches that they can be a part of and make percentages of. And then all of a sudden, like now they're not only, they're not only getting more, we have more opportunities, but they have like more ownership, like they're creating stuff. Right. And so that's what I get excited about because I look at it like, cool, like let's, this is in line with growing the brand and our, our vision, but it's in line with growing the team. Like this goes together, right? Where, where I see a lot of the models now, I'm sure you do too, right? I mean, shit, there's people out there teaching like, hey man, like this is how you become more profitable. You're paying your people too much, you know? Fucking start paying your people less. And I'm like, what, the, huh? Like I'm trying to figure out how to pay them more. Now, yeah. of course, there's all, I'm also very transparent about like, here's where we are guys. Like. If I pay you more oh, right man. now, like we're losing, we're this, that, I'm, I'm the most transparent fucking person there is. Like, guys, this is all we're making. This is how much you get paid. This is how much I make. <laughs> like, yeah. for us, yeah. to, for me to give you more, we need to make more. So let's look at whether we look at trying to help our clients with more supplements or whether we go online and try and increase revenue there. Because for me, I only win if you win. Because I, I can't remember the study or whatever it is, but it's like if you churn staff, it costs you so much more than actually the thought like just the thought of it for me yeah make makes me actually fucking anxious the thought of it you know? <laughs> and and it is it's so much it's not even just it's the money but it's time it's everything yeah. and that brings me to like the, the i think a lot of people here, here's i think a big mistake in industry and in, in any business not just this fitness business but is that uh owners think that they need to inspire and motivate right and i i call this thing uh it's navigation over inspiration right yeah. and part of responsibility of you is you know with, with your team is to create a clear relatable like actionable outlook of the future that like you all are working towards like that's part of your vision right and so you have to guide and navigate like where we're going and where you're going that's more that's more important right that than like firing somebody up because because that shit is not gonna like it's not gonna stay right but if they have navigation like that's way more powerful okay so but put it this way what's one habit that's shared by successful groups sneak previewing future relationships making small but telling connections between now and a vision of the future that's an actual quote i had written down here and you know the kicker is is like how you navigate versus constantly come in and try to fire people up People got to see where we're going and then they have to connect to that fucking goal. So like, I'll give you a, a specific example, right? I had, a, I had a sit down with Theo the other day and like, same thing, like, you know, sometimes like we have talked about crucial conversations, we'll sit down and it's, you know, if we don't talk for a long enough time or, or have a one-on-ones, we kind of both go this way, right? And then everybody creates their own narrative. Oh man, I'm not being valued or this is happening or that's happening. Like I have a different narrative, you know, and then we have a, a conversation and sometimes a tough conversation and we come on the same page. And I'm like, hey, man, I want, you know, what I see you becoming is the director of coaching, right? And here's what that looks like, you know, and because I, cause I also, you know, had this conversation, what do you love to do? And it's like, I love to do this and I want to take it here. And I'm like, man, I see the same thing. And here's what I was thinking, you know, in the next year, in the next 18 months, like this is really where, you know, you could grow and do this. And all of a sudden at the end of a two hour dinner, you know, it's, it's like, guess what? Navigation. We're both looking at the same place and excited about it you know what i mean 
which kind of pulls back to like the three things that we were talking about, right? Number one, uh, psychological safety to have this tough conversation, right? Working to whether together and not like battling to a common goal and then navigating instead of inspiring. And, you know, and we're on the same path on the same page and now we can start working towards that, you know? And, it, and obviously this is something that um, is a consistent thing. It's not like a, Hey, we did it one time. Like you have to constantly do it. Um, and, you know, to give you an example of how powerful this is, like, and how important stories are in, in, in uh, navigating as well as uh, if anybody has read like Adam Grant, all the books by Adam Grant are, are dope, but like there's a book called Originals. But inside of that book, like basically what they did, it was like a call center, you know, call centers like that raise money for colleges for, uh, for basically for, for funds for colleges. You know, you're making minimum wage like ish, you're not, you're not doing really good. It's, it's hard to be fired up. Well, dude, they made this one thing actually it was the university of Michigan. Uh, I got the study right here. So the, the volunteers at the phonathon were calling alumni, alumni to raise money for scholarships. The, the study found that after a simple five minute presentation where the recipient of one of the scholarships came in and explained to the volunteers how much the scholarship had impacted his life and how grateful he was for it. The rate of calls made increased from 142% to 172% of money raised. One five minute conversation. So basically what they had to do was a kid that actually got the scholarship that they were make, raising the money for came in and said, hey guys, I just wanted to share my story. Um, you know, my name is, I forget, I don't know their name, but they were like, this, what you guys are raising money for allowed me to go to college. It, it changed my life. It allowed me to do this and this and this and that. And now I'm like one of the first in my family to even go through school and I can't, I'm so fortunate and happy and grateful and thank you so much. Five minutes, five minutes and it increased sales by 30% and, oh, sorry, uh, sales by 70% and calls by 40%, right? Because it went from, from 140, 172, like massive, not like a little, like a massive change because everybody there was like, oh shit, navigation, like that's what we're working towards. Yeah. Fuck, you know what I mean? And like in the gym, that could be like, Hey guys, like, I just want to, you know, share a story and it might be a video of it. It might be like what somebody said and go like, Hey, this is Melissa's story. Like I didn't even know it, but I wanted to share it with you guys. Cause all of you have been involved in helping a change, you know, and there's these life altering emotional stories. And it's like, then, you know, the people can go like, fuck man, like, this is what we do. Yeah. Holy shit. Right. Like, and so this, you know, and, and that's why studying the psychology of, of, I would say like, you know, social and social sciences, right? Like environmental sciences is so important because how do you get people to go in the direction that you want them to go? That will obviously benefit them as well, right? Like it's, it's, it's so important, man. It's so well, that's, important. that's the whole thing, man. Like my goal with RBT was like 10,000 lives. Like, you know, that's what we try and look towards as a company, but like at an individual club level, it's like 200 lives. And it's like, you want to have a video like RBT, each, like each member, each year, 200 lives, RBT changed my life because, and it's like, dot, dot, dot. Because, you know, yeah, it's like weight loss. That's like the physical that you can see, but that's not how it changed their life. Like, I feel more confident on a daily basis. I'm happier. I have more energy. I can play with my kids. My relationship is better. I, I like for us, 
you know, every time that anyone is doing a sales call, the reason why they get afraid is because they're afraid of the fact of rejection. We talked about this before, but I'm sure just like that video that you said that that guy, that guys watch, if you have some videos that you play about the lives changed in your, you know, challenge or in your business or whatever it is. And it's like, if it wasn't for X business, my life would be here. And because of X business, my life is now here. If you can take that mindset into every single sales call, and it's like the faster you dial, the more likely you are to change a life today. And it's like, I don't say when, when I talk to guys, how many sales you made today? It's like, how many life-changing conversations have you made today? Because that's what we're in it for. We're in it for changing lives, not for making sales. Making a sale just allows us to change the life. Without sales, we can't change lives. And I think the more you can intertwine those two, we have, we have less fear of rejection and you fight for the sale harder because it's like, you know, if I'm, I'm going to call you up and you have all these negative experiences going on, you've been let down by all these gyms in the past. They're trying to fucking give you pizza whilst you were training or donuts, whatever the fuck gyms do now. Um, and like they are this transactional, right? And that's what they have in their head. It's just another gym trying to take fucking money off me. Uh, who's just going to let me down in the end. So, you know what? I saw this ad on Facebook or wherever the hell I saw it. And you know what? I don't, want to, I don't want to sign up for this now. Instead, if you go, okay, I know this is going to happen. And this isn't them saying no to our product. It's them saying no to their past experiences. So then if I can relate to them on a deeper level and go, no, we aren't like that. We're about you and changing your life. And I understand you might say, I can't afford it. But that's you thinking in your head, just that's an objection I can get away with. And it's like, no, I'm going to work through this. Oh, I can't fit in. It's like, no, we're going to recreate priorities in your life because this is going to make you feel more energy. You said that was important. It's like, whatever they say to you, you need to overcome that objection because your will to change lives is bigger than their fear to get started. And it's like, that's just navigation, man. Like what you were saying, like it's giving them a clear outcome. It's like, what does success mean to them? And what does this success mean to the company? And that's when you get that production-based leadership. Uh, and also, like, I guess one of the laws, one, like, again, John Maxwell talks about these 21 laws. Like, I talk about him a lot because I reckon he's one of the best leaders of all time. Like, the way he actually... Yeah, no, no. I think that people don't, you know, I, with, with John C. Maxwell, I, I legit, I'm probably lying if I say I have every book, but I have 90% of the books. Yeah, same. Um, and I'm going through them, you know, and I've gone a ton through a ton, but I've just like in the last, I don't know, six months, I probably bought like 30 of them, 40 of them. And, you know, I think because he's so cliche, it's John C. Maxwell, right? That people don't get him anymore, but it's phenomenal stuff. And the thing is that like a lot of it just has tons of wisdom from a lot of other leaders. Like he does a great job curating all mm. this. Right? Oh, 100%. But, and I, I, wanna, I, I would encourage people to brainwash themselves uh, with, with these, these books, right? This, because once again, we, we started with saying, like I, I said, well, you know, it's awareness, right? What happens for me, like when I read these books is that like when I read things over and over, now it's like, it's like when you buy a car, right? And then all of a sudden fucking you see all the cars like yours, right? This is the same thing. You start reading books on culture, leadership, on communication, on, you know, like I said, being a better active listener, whatever it is in that realm, all of a sudden oh, the awareness starts coming up. Like, oh, wow. Like I have these bad habits. Shit wow, I noticed this in that person, right? That's why, because somebody goes like, why would you read, like, Luca, you read like nine books on the thing, same thing in a row. I'm like, yeah, dude, because like, I want to create so much awareness around this topic that I want to get better at that. Like, I'm going to start having like shit be like, oh shit, 
I'm complaining. No complaining rule. Find a solution. Do, 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 do. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's why I feel like it's so important. Like, so you keep bringing up John C. Maxwell. I'm glad you, you do. It's like, man, because there's so much good stuff in those books, you know, that, that are, that like everybody should like, not, on, not only like read, but just live that shit. I honestly, man, I think like for you, you're one of the most inquisitive people that I know. Um, like I praise you to actually a lot of people. Like one, two things, I think your biggest strengths as a person, like I suck at networking and I've told you this, like personally to you, like your greatest strength is you collaborate and communicate with everyone. And it's like, if you catch up with someone, you reach out afterwards and say, hey man, it was so good seeing you. Or you send them a gift. Like literally your relationship, your, your, your ability to create relationships is fucking insane. But your other one, which is more so to this point is like, like you are so inquisitive. I think so many of us um, go through life and like, I don't know, like, I know you went to like college, but like, I think people go through school and then they go through college or university. I never went, but like um, they get taught, read this, read this, read this, read this. And they never actually became inquisitive enough to read what they want to read or learn what they want to learn and ask questions around society and themselves. So they stop learning. Like I look again at my kids and like Jackson asks the fucking craziest shit on a daily basis. Um, like, like literally, why do the clouds move? And I'm like, okay, I'll fucking research for you. Um, and like, I'll, I'll give him answers because like, I don't want to say, cause dad said so. Like I want him to be as curious as possible because then if we, he understands that we can literally search out the answers as a child, then he can take that for the rest of his life. And for you, you have this mentality that is like a kid, which is you are so curious on a fucking daily basis. That's why your knowledge consumption is so high because you, if you don't know the answer, you want to find the answer, but then you do like what literally what Tony Robbins says and why he, why he does like, he's like fucking 17 hour days in the, in the courses. It's like immersion. So it's like, okay, I'm going to learn this thing on leadership. I'm going to read seven books in a row because I'm immersing, uh, like have this immersion mentality. Whereas like, if I can read as much as I possibly can, then my unconscious habits become conscious. And only when they can become conscious, I can see the cues and then I can recorrect them so I can take myself in a new direction. Absolutely. Like, man, I, I, you know, and I think a lot of this has to do with the ego, right? Like, uh, I don't know. It's so funny, man. Like I, I'm, I'm still at, you know, I'll speak on stage and, and then I'll, and if it, even if it's at my own event, then I'll go down in the first row and like take notes on the fucking person that's up there. And I think part of it, and, and like, there was a time where I was like, man, I don't want to seem dumb. So I'm not going to ask from, you know, I gotta, I gotta look smart. I gotta look smart, you know? And now it's like, and I know I, I know more than I've ever known, right? Like I feel dumber than I ever felt. And and being able, I think that, you know, asking a ton gives permission to everybody else to go like, oh man, this guy knows his stuff. But man, he's always asking and taking notes. Like I always got notebooks with me, always got books with me. Because I just feel like I don't know shit. <laughs> like I just feel so fucking stupid. You know, but like in a good way, right? It's the sensation yeah, yeah. curiosity. It's like it's literally it's like when you talk about like Jacks, you're like, ooh, like that, like that's the you know, like What's, man, what's this? Well, can you show me that? Like, I want what do you mean by that? You know? And it's like, that's the shit that it does two things. It helps you learn. Yeah. And it makes the other pe person feel fucking a lot more. Uh, I would say it, like, it makes you feel more interesting because you're interested in them. You know what I'm saying? So man, it's like, it, a win -win. it's so true, man. Like, well, when we look at it, right? Like, 
for me, I stopped contributing for a couple of years on social because I wasn't learning. I was in so much action. Um, and then like, I was like, shit, man, like I'm leading that. I like for me, like my, you know, goal for me is to serve and I wasn't serving to my potential because I was so much in action. So I pulled myself back and I made sure that my knowledge consumption starts to increase again, because for me, like contribution is my biggest thing, right? Like I really am contribution driven, but if I can't grow myself, I lack contribute, like contributing to society. So I, ha I force education because that helps me force contribution. And like, I think that's the biggest thing. We say so much, I don't have time. Um, I don't have time to read or I don't have time to listen to that podcast. I don't have time to listen to that audio book. It's like, if you spend 30 minutes a day reading, it's like three and a half hours a week, you probably get through like 18 pages a week, maybe, maybe more. Um, but that's like, uh, sorry, like 10 pages a day, like 70 pages a week. It's about 18 books a year. And man, like if you just start consuming like 18 books a year on leadership and culture and like growth and personal development, like even if you didn't consume it on how to be a great trainer, but if you just like habit formation and leadership and culture, your business will probably blow up. Even if you didn't get even better at the technical ability, because you just have people staying for longer, wanting to come back more because they're like, this culture is fucking insane. And if you like, you know, people like ram down on things like sometimes like F45 or orange theory. And it's like, they're not doing the correct training. Um, their training philosophies are not right. Well, are people coming back and they're getting fucking healthy? Yeah. Well, then cool, what can you learn from them? Like drop the ego and saying what they're doing wrong and instead go, what are they doing right that keeps repeat business coming back? And is it the atmosphere? Is it the culture? Then how can you get that into your business to increase your retention culture atmosphere with your correct training philosophies to even turn it up a notch again? You know what, man? You know what I'll add to this too? Like, because you make a great point, right? Like learn from... Like if there, it's easy to, you know, cause obviously we got shit popping up everywhere with this, the rise of high intensity interval training, which is a whole nother podcast in itself. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, right? This is the other issue that I see there. Number one is like, what are they doing that we're not, you know? And maybe it's like, Hey, you know what? They're promoting more and you're not promoting. Yeah. Maybe that's one thing. It's like, Hey, what's the atmosphere? Like, you know, maybe, maybe it's that. But the other thing is like, you know what the big problem is? Is like most people that say that, I'm like, cool, let me see all the content you put out. Oh, there's fucking none. Oh, let me see the videos that you're putting out to educate the marketplace. Oh, there's none, right? There's the poppy syndrome, right? If you ever heard of poppy syndrome, the poppy that stands out gets cut. So people are like, I don't want to fucking stand out because then people will persecute me and say I'm dumb and my shit stinks. And so I won't do anything. And then you don't do anything. And then you stand on the fucking sidelines and go like, those guys suck. They shouldn't be doing it. I'm like, get in a fucking game. The only way, like you can't win the game or affect the game if you're not in the game. Guess what being in the game is? Man, whether it's doing Instagram, whether it's doing Facebook ads, whether it's creating blogs, quality videos, spending money and time to educate the marketplace why you're the better option, right? To position yourself, right? Like you can't fucking, like that's the, that's the thing I get, I get fired up about because, man, I, I actually was just in Portland, I had a conversation with a really good coach, like a good coach, you know, and, and at, it was kind of like this, like, man, there's so many, you know, we're losing, right? Like, we're, I think that the, the, the stat came out that eight out of nine influencers on Instagram give incorrect advice on nutrition. I wouldn't be surprised, right? Yeah. But, but here's the thing, though. Like, so the guy that's like, well, fucking, you know, a lot of people sometimes will be like, man, that Luca guy does a lot of Instagram. And I, I'm like, listen, man, 
how the fuck do you, yeah, I want to have a million followers. You know why? Because it's like, I want to get some of the followers from the other people they're following that are saying retarded shit that you can eat snakes and lose weight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or just fucking avocados or whatever the fucking stupid diet that's, that, that, that's they're promoting. And I'm like, and see you, I'm like, you're standing on the sidelines and then you're not affecting anybody. You're complaining, but you're not affecting anything. So why not, if you want to make a change, fucking go on, you know, go on social media, go online, create stuff, write blogs, write an article, write a fucking book, go and do a workshop, do seminars, make them free, get people in front of you, man. Like, how the fuck do you, like, you know what I mean? You're just going to be wallowing in the victim. Oh, everything's wrong with the world. Look at all these shitheads. They're, they're making money. Well, what are you doing? Like, are you, are you, you have no thing, choice? You don't, you don't have the right to complain if you're not in the game. Nope. Like, you don't. Nope. Like, you, I mean, put it this way. Like, you, like, use that energy that you're using for complaining and create. And create. Yeah. And then people go like, well, what do I, you know, then it's like the fear. Like, what do I do? I say, okay, well, look, how many clients do you have? Oh, I got 30. Okay, cool. When your clients ask you about stuff, what do you talk to them about? Well, shit, they asked me about, like, their knee pain. Okay, cool. And what do you do? Well, I show them some drills. Okay, shoot a video, show the drills to uh, thousands of other people that have knee pain. What about nutrition? Well, they're asking, okay, cool. Well, shoot a video. Like, all you're doing is you're, you're sitting across from Susie Sue. You're her friend. You're, you're, you're her advocate. You're her fucking, like, guider, like a guidance counselor. And, like, you're literally talking to them into the video. It's, like, it's the simplest shit ever. You're already doing what you'd be doing on social media, you know, without – you know, we could go into a million details on like what I believe works and what's worked for me and, you know, uh, like what might, might go a little bit more viral and blah, blah, blah. But like at the end of the day, like even if 500 people watch your stuff, that's 500 more people learning from you. And over time, that'll be a thousand. It'll be 2000, it'll be 5,000, 10,000. You know what I mean? And like, and wait, 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 wait. <laughs> for the first year of you writing um, emails, was it, or blogs, how many people were opening and reading your blogs, was it? Not, dude, it was not, bro, it was like multiple 10 maybe. I mean, <laughs> even, you know what, like, so Jay, Jay was the person that like, not, so 2019, so at the, so December of, December 2017, right, he was like, man, you got to, you know, we, we're, we're both high on edibles in his living room, which is usually the best conversations then, uh, you know, and he, and he's like, dude, man, you hold back too much. Did it? So anyway, we got into this. He had a crucial conversation with me, a loving one. He was like, you're going to post on IG every day, three times a day. Um, and I, and I, sh and I shook his hand. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I did. I started fucking posting quality stuff. And the irony is, is like literally like 26 days later, I get a, uh, email from uh, the Seattle, the biggest uh, morning show in Seattle. And, you know, the lady's like, hey, man, I, I listened to your podcast. Like, would you come on the show as an expert, the number one expert? I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, that happens, right? I keep doing three a day. I'm not, I'm not focused on any outcome. I'm just focused on the process. Like another month later, Sean Stevenson hits me up and he's like, hey, dude, you want to be on the Model Health Show? Model Health Show is like the biggest health show on the planet. Yeah. Right? Like two point something million downloads a month, right? Uh, fuck, man. I go on that, like, Dope episode, crazy downloads. Uh, and I keep, like, the thing is, I keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And all, now, all, like, you know, six, seven, eight months later, things start to happen a little bit more, right? And, like, literally for a year and a half now, I've been posting about three a day. And it, it's just, like, one medium, but my, I'm trying to tell a story about this. All I gave a fuck about was, like, let me put out quality content. And I had to, you know what I did? Like, it took more time. Uh, some of the videos were a little higher end, so, like, I had to, you know, obviously pay people to do it. So I was spending money but not really making it back. But I knew what I was doing it, right? I knew the big picture. It's like Danny Meyer calls it like, you know, most people try to work for now money rather than later money. Now money is usually the quick fix. And 
here and there you need now money. I don't know. You need to, you know, I would say give some funds to upgrade, to get a new location, to, you know, you're in, you're in, a, you're in a rut or something like it happens. But your main strategy should be later money because later money is like, what are we doing now that's quality, that's supporting the team, that's supporting this vision, that's focused on a great foundation and, and something that's unique and spectacular and will delight our clients versus the quick fucking thing. You know what I mean? And so, of course, like, so I, I get it because there's this anxiety where a person that's like not doing as well as they want to and they look at somebody that's an influencer. And of course, you, you know that a lot of influencers don't really do shit. Like they don't make the money that most people think they do. You know, so now there's just this idea in the head and it stresses you out. And like, why even start? And I'm, I'm here to tell you that, like, man, from email to like at the beginning where like there's five people opening it or, you know, 10 or whatever. And now there's, you know, it might be over a thousand if I send an email or like 2000 on the list that'll open it. Um, you know, from same thing on Facebook, like no, you know, on, especially in Remember, like when, when we started stuff, Facebook was like, dude, it was printing, like, you know, you know, bro, like it was crazy. Right. I will say like, man, like when we started doing content, I explained to people like how hard it was to do content. I think that's the difference, right? Like I used to have a flip minnow, which is like you did. There's no yeah. iPhone. You're, yeah, you like remember that shit? Up. Like, yeah, like it, you had to like hold this thing and then you jack it into your um, computer. Like, oh, yeah, dude. oh man, and like it was so hard to create content. But like, I, I when I did it, I was doing five videos a week. I'd be like taking these flip minnow videos, talking about whatever. Or, else. or when you were making smoothies shirtless in the kitchen, exactly. remember? That one? You do what you're gonna do to get by, man. Like, you uh, know, oh, yeah, I'm gonna sell it myself to try and uh, you know impact more people. But like, okay, I think, I like for this man, like I think there's a difference between. I tell this all the time, like, you know, like I same thing. Like a year ago, I was like, fuck, like I'm not doing this Instagram thing. I saw my my personal profile on Facebook is where I had like a lot of organic reach. And my personal profile, I don't own Facebook. It was taking a dive. And I was like, man, like I just need to start um, impacting more lives again. So I'm going to do this Instagram thing. And like my Instagram has not grown like yours has grown, but it's grown by a good 10, 12,000 over the last year just yeah, by posting cool. twice a day every day. And every single day I just do it. And I was like, okay, cool. I have my, my time structure. I write some posts. I have my time where I do some videos each week. And I just post it out every single week. And I think, if you can put the time aside, I'm not an influencer, but I would say I'm an impactor. And I think like, I, it's like, it's not about the hundred thousand people who like, you could be impacting. If I had a hundred thousand, I was impacting them fucking great. But like, for me, I don't look at the like, oh, you got like, you're an influencer. It's like, no, I want to be an impactor. So like the things I say actually impact someone's life and they impact their habits. They impact how they see the world. And it's like, I wanna try and drive as much impact as possible through my social media platforms. But if you're not putting anything out, you are driving zero impact whatsoever. And it's like, you might go, like a lot of people like get into the fitness industry, like, oh, I wanna change the fucking world. Or I wanna, I wanna like, you know, just you know, change Renton. I wanna change South Melbourne. I wanna change like this suburb. It's like, okay, cool. So how much content are you putting out? Mm -hmm. Oh, none. Okay. Well, how much change is that creating? Like zero. So it's like, you, you can't just wait for people to come into your gym or come into your online business to um, essentially impact them. You impact them before they actually pay you money. That's when they, they start paying you money. Remember CTG, the second year, 
mm-hmm. I was on stage and I, and I shared a stat and the stat was that, that uh, it took, you know, 2011, it was like four or five decisions, but people had to see five things to make a buying decision mm-hmm. from you, right? By the time I spoke on that second CTG, it was 14 or 15. I just saw the stats right now. Yeah. 24 to 25. People have to see 24 to 25 things before they make a buying decision. Right. So think about that. Like even since the last time it's almost doubled. So how do you think, like, are you going to see somebody on the street 24, 25 times? No. Right. But the thing is, if they see your email and they see your, your, your video on, on IG and then on Facebook, and then they see a blog and then a friend tells them about you, that shit speeds up. And that's why, like, if you go, you know, my Facebook, like we're, Dude, I literally look at the stats. We ran no ads for a front end offer in the last month. And the reason why was too, because we just weren't able to take, because we're growing a team, a lot of people on. Dude, I spent all, like literally, I spent a good chunk of money. It was all content. Yeah. And we have like, just from our videos, we have 350,000 views in the last 30 days of our content. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's going viral and crazy, but like I'm focusing <laughs> on, so now guess what though? Somebody locally, it's probably seen me 25 times this fucking month. You know what I mean? But that's the whole point. Like you, you, you have to understand not only human psychology, like people are shopping under your nose. If you're not top of mind, they're not going to go to you. They're just not, even if they're, even if you're better, they don't know that. So like you're doing a disservice to the client, to the prospect, to yourself, to your team, to everybody. If you're not sharing this, right? Like brand, like to brand is to do one of these four things is to make people laugh, to make them cry, to make them feel and to give them value in advance. And I, I would focus on number four the most, which is to give people value in advance. And so how are you doing that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how are you doing that? And there's so many, man, like I, we definitely got to do so another one. Where mediums, man. Like there's so many mediums to be able to do it. I think like some people are better at writing. Some people are better at video, but just because you're not good at video, doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Right. And I think like I, I reflect back, like, um, to my first videos and no, by no means I'm good now. I'm like, I do it and it's easier to get it going and the flow gets so much easier now. But um, back in the day, it was like so forced and like, I, that's okay. Um, but again, 10,000 hour rule, like the first time I ever did sales, um, I remember like I was, a, I've been, like, I don't know how long you've been in the industry. Like I remember 16 years ago, like I was doing PT and it's like, I was do a one-on-one session with someone and at the end of the session, like it was a free trial session, at the end of the session, I'd be like, hope, hope you enjoyed it. And I'd like literally walk off. And I'd, I'd walk <laughs> off going, hope they get in touch with me. I didn't even know if they had my number. I was like, hope they get in touch. That was my sales process because I was so scared about sales. And it's the same way people might be so scared about content right now. Mm-hmm. But then I got better and better at sales. And I was like, for me now, sales, like I'm so far past that 10,000 hour rule that it's just, I, and I have a different mindset around sales now. It's the same thing about content, right? Like it will be awkward. You will be outside your comfort zone at the start, but like then you'll get better and better and better. And it's like doing a video is just like, okay, hold the camera, shoot. You'll start doing lives instead of doing pre-recorded edited versions because all of a sudden you're so confident in front of the camera that you know that you're happy to do these live videos. And then what happens, the difference between doing a live video, like podcast, like we are right now, uh, versus doing this like, okay, I need to make this like polished uh, video. The, they actually get in touch with your authentic personality and they go, 
that's who they are. That's who she is or that's who he is. Like I like that aura or I like that passion because when you're doing uh, pre-recorded, it's very hard to manufacture that passion. Mm -hmm. But when you're live, it's like, oh shit, like th this person actually loves this shit. This person actually in is enjoying this content and people want to be around people who fucking love what they do. Like that's just it. Yeah, no, the, definitely the drive. I mean, you know, this overplay work, word authenticity, like being the reason that you have, if you have 10 or a hundred clients is because those people love you and you've helped them. And like they obviously love your personality. Now it's like, yeah, it's, it, of course it's not the same as skin to skin, but guess what? It, it's very similar. And like I said, there's, uh, there's actually a book around, it's called a like formula, but it talks about like, you know, how to get people get to like you more. And it's, it's a formula. It's like proximity plus frequency plus duration plus intensity. Right. And think about that. Like you can re you can create proximity, frequency and duration. I mean, even intensity, if you do an emotional video where people are like fucking super, it's intense and connected. You can do that online. I can sleep and like people everywhere around the world are watching the video and they're seeing more of me. So now it's more proximal. It's like if you walk the, the, your dog in a park and every day you pass the same girl with her dog, like by week two, you're like, hey, like you, you actually like them. This is proven. Like this is statistically proven, psychologically proven. That like you like that person, you, you, you're more, uh, I would say, you're more likely to connect with that person just because of the proximity, even if you never said a word. And even interrogators, like they would do this shit. You, you read all these uh, books of people that would interrogate terrorists and how they would come into organizations. They just spend time around them and people get to like them, right? So this is how you do that. Like, man, put yourself out there in scenarios. Like I said, and, man, a lot of times my production video doesn't do any better than my like, hey, man, just shoot me real quick. Like yeah. I got, I got this fucking drill. I want to shoot. Like sometimes I, honestly, those will do better because people are like, Oh, that's a real fucking thing. It's not like pre-orchestrated. Right. Yeah. And so you have the power, you know, now more than, more than ever to create, right. To create and to be yourself and to just to put it out there. And cause the thing is, I can tell you, like, I think that everybody knows the answer. What happens if you don't? Well, it's going to be either really tough for you or you're not going to have a business, you know, yeah. period. Like, that's it. You know, but the thing is, if you do, why don't you find out what happens if you do? Because you haven't done that yet. So do that for the next six months. Like, do it consistently and then holler back at us and let us know, you know, what happened. And if it was like, you know, I, I doubt anybody's going to be like, hey, guys, uh, so I did what you, you know, you told me to do. And uh, my business got worse. Uh, everybody hated me. And I make less money. All right, prove me fucking wrong. Like, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So, so that's what I, what I need you to do. Because I got I to gotta run to meeting. <laughs> <laughs> you out? You done? I got, I got like five minutes and I got to jet. Okay, cool. I think like the next thing, like when you're looking at leadership, last thing is like that next book I would say is, um, you know, Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last, right? Because a lot of people then get stuck in production-based leadership, but then they never want to outsource themselves a little bit enough to be able to give more money to that team, knowing that you actually sacrifice your earning potential to then grow that team and then being in production by themselves. And you have to grow a leader within that team to lead that team. Your significance will drop and you have to understand that team is going to eat before you do. Um, I think that's a very hard transition for a lot of business owners. Yo, I'll actually give an example. Like I said, this here's me being completely transparent. Uh, I mean, I have a number of businesses and, uh, like I've always kind of prided myself at least to, you know, I, I like, I travel and I do a lot of the stuff that I want to do is, you know, I, I do well, but like I've always tried to live below my means. And 
you know, in the last couple of years, especially once I bought that building, I mean, that was massive, you know, multi-million dollar investment, big loan, all that stuff, uh, no partners, you know, so that was obviously a big stretch for me. Um, you know, and I, I shifted, I, I lowered my salary so we could have, you know, bigger profit margins, so we could get a bigger loan, this, that, the other. But even right now, like I take losses, you know, personal L's so that the team can, uh, so that, so I put it this way, in the, so in the short term, that's the marshmallow test, so in the short term, I'm, you know, I, I might like, like not do as well or do what I want to do um, so that in a medium to long term, we win big. And also to show, you know, to show the team guys, like guys, look, man, like personally, I've taken these L's uh, or made these decisions that will help you and us out. But in the short term, it, it won't help me out necessarily. Right. But I, but I'm working for the bigger picture. And so to me, that's what like the leaders eat last philosophy is, yeah. is you know, because uh, I see this all the time. Like, man, this, like I look at the next, I don't know, hundred grand growth in our, or in, just in the gym business, for instance. Right. None of that money to me in my brain is like, cool. Now I'll pay myself more. Zero, like literally zero dollars. I'm like, cool. Whether we can invest in this and we can hire this and we can do that. So that, so that we can create this business that's going to be strong and fucking will stand in the next 10 years and the next 10 years. And it'll be the best in the world. Like that's, you know, cause if you're not a real entrepreneur to me, I, I feel like if you're, you know, if you're like, cool, like, no, first of all, there's nothing wrong with paying yourself more. There's nothing wrong with rewarding yourself for hard work. Like don't, don't get these two areas mixed up. Okay. But if you're an entrepreneur, like you're not like, okay, I want to make more money so I can buy myself this other car, another car and another watch. You're like, cool, man. Like these are the things we need. So let's let, you know, let's create more so we can do more. We can give more, we can be more. Everybody rises. Like that's the mentality. And that's where, if you're not like having that uh, mentality of like eaters, leaders eat last, especially in certain scenarios, right? It's not completely black and white, but uh, where you're, you know, you're taking a step back so that everybody can grow and you know why you're doing it. You, you have that navigation, uh, man, you're going to have a tough time because people aren't going to stick around. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, yeah. and that's going to be a big issue. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing, man. Like entrepreneurship or business, having a business, it's like, it is delayed gratification. Um, posting on Instagram continuously for a year, two years, three years, that is delayed gratification. Like what I'm saying as far as not like getting your likes, that sort of instant gratification, but growing an audience where you can truly impact and not just buying some likes or whatever it is, but like impacting society on a deeper level, it's delayed gratification because you're gonna post content, 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 and you're like, oh, I've got a couple of likes or I've got a couple of new followers. And not only after you start hitting that, what is a tipping point, another good book, that you start to actually get this wave coming through and you might get on TV or you might get on a couple of podcasts and that is your tipping point that just gives you the momentum to keep pushing forward. So I think that's another thing that everyone can understand. But man, obviously, thanks for today. I'm, we'll probably we'll definitely do this again anyway because we, we can talk all day about stuff. Um, I know you have your summit up coming up. Tell me what's going on. Uh, man, it's, I mean, we just got kind of confirmation with some more people that it was, <laughs> so my event planner is really upset with me because, uh, it was like, we've had pretty much like the speaking line of book for a while, you know? And then, and then sometimes I say, Oh, uh, okay. Like maybe you can, you know, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, so that's been a little bit of a, a mess, but in the best of scenarios, because so September 12th to 14th in Seattle is basically one day's hands on at the gym. Um, and then we have uh, two days at the event space, which is um, in Tequila, which is just really close to, uh, to basically the gym. And 
I mean, the speaker lineup is, it's, it's insane. So, uh, for me, Jay Ferruja, Martin Rooney, Eric Cressy, uh, Sean Stevenson, Mark Fisher, Brett Contreras, uh, Kelsey Heenan. We got, uh, you know, John Berardi just confirmed, Adam Bornstein, Ben Bruno. I mean, we're just, I'm, I'm probably missing a couple, uh, but it's absolutely oh, ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. The weather's going to be nice in, at that time. Uh, so it's just, you know, I'm pumped about it, man. It's, it's going to be a great event. And so what, you know, what are we covering, man? Like, I, uh, I'll just say this, man. The theme of the whole event is leave it better than you found it. You know, and my philosophy around this has always been like, you know, whether it's a person that I have an interaction with, I want to leave them better than I found them. If it's the renting community, same thing. If it's every client, same thing. If it's the industry, it's the same thing. So every person speaking there has left me better than they found me and is going to help, you know, has, has definitely left the industry better than they found it. And so the, the talk is on everything from coaching and, you know, actual practices of coaching inside of the gym to like marketing, to social media stuff, to, you know, Berardi is going to, like, I'm actually going to do an interview with him. So we'll touch on a number of different things from, you know, obviously how they built a nine figure company, sold a nine figure company to uh, everything in between, you know, what's the future uh, change maker. He's got a new book and Academy coming out. Uh, so, I mean, it, it oh, Alan Cosgrove is going to be there. So I mean, just legends, man. Like, so it's, uh, it really is. And we're, we're keeping it like we actually cannot have more than we've had more sales in the last three days than any other event we've ever done uh, with zero marketing yet, just just because of the buzz. And, and so we're running out of early bird spots, you know, and it's a month to go to an early bird. Uh, so we're running out of those. And, uh, you know, we're going to sell out because, like I said, we had 215 spots and like legit, like I, I, we cannot take more than 215. That's it. We can't change the venue, get a bigger room. We just cannot. Um, but what it means is that is a one to 12, like, I think it's like a 12 to one or 15 to one max you know, speaker to, to attendee ratio. So, you know, and that was the whole point is like everybody can interact with, with the speakers like crazy. And, um, and, and I'm just pumped about it. Awesome, brother. Well, I'll chat with you soon. And um, guys, if any comments, questions, post uh, wherever you've seen this podcast. Cheers. All right, brother.